So this podcast is dedicated to a very special friend of mine. Her name is Tiffany Ashate. And I just want to say thank you to Tiffany because she believed in my vision of this podcast. She literally, I'm using her microphone right now. Um, she has like literally guided me through and getting on iTunes and Spotify and, and all these amazing places that you can listen to this podcast. So Tiffany, this podcast is dedicated to you and women like you who support other women. And I wouldn't have been able to do this podcast without Tiffany and her support and just her encouragement. Um, so shout out to you. All right, let's get into episode four of the engagement game the podcast welcome welcome back um i've received so much love just from my friends and from strangers and from readers alike who have just said they are super enjoying the podcast and i really appreciate that because i'm enjoying um doing them and so i'm really excited about today's episode which talks about this sort of another myth that we want to break down Um, and deconstruct but it is the myth that powerful women are intimidating to men and they can't get a man right and we sort of touched on this during the last episode when Aisha Fain's one of my favorite thought leaders um, ruined my favorite movie The Best Man when she said that you know the character that Nia Long played she's like the only person in the movie who doesn't end up with the man and if you remember Nia Long's character was like this powerful producer um, she didn't take no mess. Um, and the men in the film even said that she was like, you know, so, um, she knew what she wanted so much that she was like akin to a lesbian, you know, like, and so I really want to break down this stereotype because I've gotten that so much in my dating life. Like, Oh, you're too intimidating or like, yo, you the homie. Like, I don't know if I could date you. You seem like you too much, sir. Mind your business. Um, you know, things like that. I've heard that time and time again or like um I don't know how I can keep up with you or you know guys breaking up with me because you know I don't want to hold you back oh which was the worst one but I look literally someone told me that on the metro well if you read the book it's the guy oh I don't I forget what his fake name is (laughs) I forget what the fake name is in the book but it's the guy who um, got engaged at the very end of the book and he reaches out to me to like tell me that he got engaged I forget what fake name I gave him I don't want to call him out but anyway um, it starts with a B I do know that and um, I remember him in real life he told me like I don't want to hold you back I, I see great things in your future and I was like sir thank you I guess I mean in looking back it was like an amazing thing that he broke up with me but the point is I've heard this time and time again um, that I'm too intimidating or, you know, if you have a certain level of education, men will be intimidated by you. If you make more money than your man, it won't work out. Um, and so I just want to talk about it. And of course I couldn't think of any person better to do that with than literally the most powerful woman that I know, the most powerful woman in my phone. But before I introduce her properly, I just want to tell y'all what this podcast is about. If you're just joining us for the first time, it's called The Engagement Game. I'm the author of the book called The Engagement Game. And this podcast is really to celebrate the paperback edition of the book. Not every book gets a paperback. Not every book gets a hardcover. And the fact that my book got both of them and it's my debut book, I am forever grateful to Hachette and to my editor, Adrian Ingram, um, for really pushing this book and believing in this book. And I'm thankful to the 
thousands of readers around the world who have purchased the book already um, and have reviewed it and have told a girlfriend about it or told their auntie, told their niece about it. If you haven't gotten the engagement game just yet, you're not too late. It's on Amazon, sis. It's on Barnes and Noble. I got an audio book. I recorded it myself. Get you one, get you a copy because it really is. Oh, shout out to my um, text messages coming through. But it really is um, not only my journey, um, but also one of the biggest lessons that I learned in life, which was there's nothing you can do to get a man to propose to you. Um, but what you can do if you do desire marriage and you do desire partnership is to continually work on becoming the best wife you can be and the best woman that you can be. And quite frankly, um, open up your mind to the idea that marriage is not literally the only option for you. Um, and I've always believed, well, I didn't always believe that that was a hard lesson for me to learn that like, what if my life doesn't result in marriage, although I want it so badly, um, will I still be okay? And the answer was yes, but I had to ask myself that tough question. Um, and you know, life just so happened that I didn't meet my fiance, but I think that, um, it was important that I had a freeing moment that moment of freedom where I felt like, you know what, I really don't even need this. I don't even need marriage to be fulfilled um, and really focus on the fulfillment of myself um, with my gifts and talents that freed me to become the best version of myself and not just a version of myself that wanted to get a man. And so meaning I shape shifted. And so if he liked you know, go-karts, I loved go-karts. And if he liked football, I knew all the football players, you know, it, instead of becoming this version of myself to get men, I just became the best version of me. Um, and so anyway, I'm, this is super long intro. I've got to cut this down, but I probably won't. Oh yeah. If you're going to be in DC next month in May, I will be speaking at the state of the union leadership summit. I'm so excited. It's May 4th. Uh, in the DC area and I'll put all of the details in the description box but I actually have like a speaker code so if you want to buy tickets my speaker code is joymarie20 that's j-o-i marie20 um, so go get a ticket I'll see you there girl it is the state of the union leadership summit I'm really excited uh, to be there and some of my friends are going to be there too my wedding planner is going to be there shout out to Yodi Jabreus and Dale she'll be one of the speakers as well so it will be a really great afternoon so feel free to join us and feel free to get a discount on those tickets and all of those details will be in the description box and like I said before today's topic is super triggering for me because I've heard it literally since college like you're too intimidating you're too much it's like another nice way of uh, that men say it or like um you got a lot going on that's another like euphemism for I'm intimidated by you I suck um but before I go to my very special guest I went all around New York City asking women if they've ever heard that before if they've ever heard you're too intimidating and what they feel about it and and do they believe in this myth that you know intimidating women or powerful women can't find a man and here's what they had to say i don't think it's hard for alpha women to find a man i think it might be more difficult to find a man who's equally yoked a man who is not intimidated or um is not driven away by a woman's um, willingness to 
be the boss, to step forward, to take control. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean that there's no room for him, but I think there's a way to have a relationship that's a partnership um, instead of being in a relationship where the man believes he's head of all things um, in the relationship. For me, the narrative that a powerful woman um, can't find a man just is not true. But I do think that sometimes as ambitious women, we do have this fairy tale of what we want our perfect man to be. Um, and I would say as I've grown up, as I've you know become a wife myself, there, there's just no such thing as perfection. So if you're seeking perfection, um, I think that that will you know always be an issue. But I do think you just need someone who supports you, who supports your dreams, who supports whatever you want to do in life. And it is possible to find them. I, I really do not believe that if you're a powerful woman at the top of her field, a CEO, uh, you know, whatever title you have that you can't have love too. Men are generally attracted to my independence and my confidence, but the caveat is that they can be overwhelmed or even repulsed by what they perceive as my assertiveness. Whether I like it or not, our society's feminine model is based on that archetype of the middle-class white female. And often men are socialized to expect less assertiveness from women. Alpha women tend to know exactly what role they would like a man to play at their stage of life. And they have a keen understanding of who they've attracted and why. For an alpha woman, I think it simply takes more time to find that best match for your life. But I do think that being really clear actually helps and that we can find and can maintain healthy relationships with men. So you heard from our women um, and oh, it's just so much to unpack. Um, but it seems like I'm not the only person who's heard this before. So I feel a little comforted. Um, but I tapped a very, very special guest to help me really go down this road. Um, and she not only talks about um, men saying that they're intimidated by you, but women. And when I tell you, I loved that part of the conversation because, um, you know, intimidation and feelings of intimidation and feelings of feeling like you might be your, your star might be too bright for people is not just um it's not a special thing. It doesn't just happen in relationships. It happens with all types of interpersonal relationships on your job, in your family, um, at church, at the school board, you know? So I really, I loved when we sort of talked about, um, all of that. Um, okay. I'm just gonna get right onto it because I'm, I'm babbling, but I am so honored to have, like I said, one of the most powerful women that I know. She is the first female bishop of the African Methodist Episcopal Church and it's over 200 year history um let me just keep reading like I'm reading it like I don't know her like she didn't birth me out of my womb that's a hint she is <laughs> also the vice chairwoman of Paul Quinn College okay another boss move she was appointed by President Barack Obama to serve on his inaugural president's advisory council <laughs> hello so she know Obama hey um and I know that she's met Michelle Obama on several occasions I was not there I was very pissed about it but that's okay she's the author of six books her latest book is The Big Deal 
um, of taking small steps to be closer to God, which is also on book stands now. And she's the creator of the Sela Leadership Conference. Um, they are coming to Atlanta next month in May. So if you are in the Atlanta area, please go out and get a ticket for Sela. I went to Sela for the very first time last, I guess it was November. And it was one of the most transformative experiences. And I'm not just saying this because I know this woman, but Sela, if you don't know, means to stop, reflect before you move forward. It's an ancient word. And the conference brought together a lot of C-suite level women and encouraged them not only to tap into their leadership, but tap into their spirituality. And I left with mad notes. I left with business cards. I left with um, older women, right? Because I'm in my 30s, but I left with women who are now in their 50s and 60s navigating that corporate space who've successfully done it with cheat codes on how to do it. Like it was dope. And so I'm really excited that Sailor is now coming to Atlanta. But without further ado, y'all, my mama, my mama, Vashti McKenzie. Here's the conversation. I am joined by one of the most powerful women that I know. It is my very own mother dear, Vashti McKenzie. And I told mom we're actually in Alaska. We're in Anchorage, Alaska. Um, we're about to talk to Soar Wars about our book. And I told mama she is not Bishop McKenzie today. She is just Vashti McKenzie, a leader of women. So welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you, Joy Marie. Thank you for inviting <laughs> me to the Engagement Game podcast. It's going to be awesome. Yes. All right. And so you're going to help me break down the myth that powerful women can't find a man. And we've heard this narrative. We've seen this narrative time and time again. And in fact, Aisha Faines, um, one of my guests from an earlier podcast, sort of ruined the best man movie for me when she brought it to my attention that Nia Long's character was like the only woman in the movie not to get a man at the end of the movie. And if you remember, Nia Long's character was like the powerful, no-nonsense producer woman. You know, she had it all together with her career. And uh, the men in the film were so intimidated by her that they even called her a lesbian at one point, like jokingly. So, you know, this myth is not only pervasive in the community at large, but definitely the black community. And I think that's foolish. So, Mom, yes, it's foolish. Absolutely foolish. (laughs) (laughs) Where do you think this idea comes from? In all humanity, we can go back to history to talk about in in ancient Africa, men and women in many cultures served together. They were leaders together. There was not man over woman, woman over man. They walked together in building kingdoms and communities and they served together. However, when an enslavement came to the United States, Mm. uh, in order to emasculate the male, to control the male, uh, then um, you go after the women. And so men found themselves in a position not to be able to protect their women uh, Mm -hmm. from other men, uh, from slave masters and others who would take advantage of them, could not protect their children uh, because of enslavement. So women found themselves in a position to have to rise to the occasion to be the protector of the family. Mm -hmm. Uh Uh-huh. So now all that period is over. There's still some post-traumatic syndrome lurking in the back of culture uh, everywhere. So when you see a strong black woman, you see a strong black woman in home, 
on the job in other places, she can be intimidating because she looks like she knows where she's going. She's acting and talking like she knows where she's going. She's large and in charge. She has her queendom. She knows how to handle it, mm-hmm. how to handle the throne, the subjects, the whole nine yards. And men become intimidated because they don't know where their place is. Mm. How do I fit into this queen's life? What is my role? If she can do everything, then what is the part that I'm supposed to play? If she can take care of herself, then how do I take care of her? If she is so strong, then where does my strength lie? And we tend to forget that strength comes in many ways, physical strength, emotional strength, and spiritual strength. And all of us have all these kinds of strengths within us, and some have more than another, but we haven't figured out. No, we don't have everything. So your partner, your future spouse, your, your, your boo, your friend, mm-hmm. are strong in areas where you are weak, and you are strong in areas where he is weak. Okay, hold on. Now, you done said a couple of words now. Uh, women now, women now. You're on a roll. Wait, 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 wait. wait <laughs> There's wait. so much good stuff, y'all. Wait, 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 wait. So the deal is, it's not... Your, the strength is not gender-based. Mm-hmm. I'm strong, you know, I can handle the money because I'm the man. Um, uh, you handle the kitchen because you're the woman. Uh, I handle the stuff outside because I'm the man. You handle the stuff inside because you're the woman. Uh, you raise the kids and I raise the money for the kids. No, no, no. Why don't we just take that gender process out of that and if she's better at handling the money than you are, let her handle it. If you are a better cook and culinary expert than she is, then you cook. Mm -hmm. If she's a better disciplinarian with the children than you are, let her handle that part. And if you are the schmoozer, the comforter, and the nurturer, let her do that. So instead of saying, men must do this, women must do this, let's take a look at each other honestly and say, these are your strengths, these are your weaknesses, these are my strengths, these are my weaknesses. Let's see how they fit together in a wonderful relationship forever. Well, I got, I got mad notes. Um, I don't even know. I don't even have a follow-up. I just, there was so much. Um, but in case y'all don't know who my mom is, she is the first female bishop of the African Methodist Episcopal Church, which is like super incredible. I almost did not believe it was going to happen. <laughs> I think I was like, are you sure you're going to win? Because like, but you won. But if y'all don't know, the process is, is that you have to be elected into this position. You're not like... No one, no pope is just going to assign you bishops. So my mom had to run against mostly men and like two other women to get this, to get this like historic position. So we're super proud um, of her. So she really is like a powerful woman. And I didn't say that before, but just so y'all have context, like she's like a boss anyway. But mom, you and dad, and and if you guys have read the engagement game, then you know this already. But like I talk about how you guys have been married for 50 years, like literally, like legitimately, they celebrated 50 years last August. So you haven't dated in a while, but do you <laughs> remember way back when you were like a teenager, um, when you were dating, like did any man ever say that to you? Like, you're a lot, you're intimidating. Cause, yeah. they, cause they can say it in different ways, right? Yeah, and, and every day. And let me say, with, you know, but, but um, the, the deal is, is that you never stop dating. And that's for the women who are in relationships. Mm-hmm. What happens is you get married, you get married for a long time and you stop dating your spouse. You never stop dating. Um, you know, I've had um, 
people on the airplane, uh, cousins, whatever, laugh. You know, we're, we're coming back from a convention. We're on our way home. Everybody's in jeans and T-shirts, you know, and I'm I'm trying to pep up my stuff, you know, da 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 da. You know, I go comb my hair, put some put my makeup back on, put some lipsticks on. They say like, "What are you doing? You're just going home." I said, "There's a man at home," <laughs> and when I walk in the door, I want him to go say, "Oh yeah, I missed her. <laughs> I'm so glad she's home." Okay, so that's not gross. <laughs> Uh, but uh, yeah, when um, coming through school, coming through high school, I was either too tall, mm-hmm. uh, and I was involved in a lot of stuff. So I sang in a choir, I was in a play, I wrote for the newspaper, wrote poetry. Uh, our version of a poetry slam, you know, it was called poetry reading, mm-hmm. uh, but it's, you know, poetry slam now. And uh, a lot of guys were at the point where like, you know, the woman that I date and the woman that I'm gonna marry, I don't, I don't want her to do all that stuff. I just want her to do me. Mm. And I want to take care of my house and raise my kids. And that's all. That's all I want you to do. You all over the place. And I don't, you know, we, you know, I, I'm not looking for somebody like that. And you look at them, you go like, okay, fine. Right. Next. <laughs> right. Uh, but that took a while because, you know, when someone says, you know, you know, you're a force to be reckoned with. And I, I really don't think I want to deal with this force. Or um, uh, there was a, a an Olympian, a woman Olympian. Uh, who was just fabulous. Remember, she had these long, absolutely yes. gorgeous. Yes. I think it's like Joyner something. Jo- I forget. We'll Google it later. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And uh, she was just absolutely fabulous. And the guys are going like, wow, look at she's running. Look at that body. Wow, she's gold medal and all that. But I ain't handling that. Mm-hmm. You know, and not many men I know can handle that. I'm going like, what? Are you kidding? She's tall. She's stat- you know, statuous. She was the Serena Williams of our time. What do mm-hmm. you mean? What is the problem with you? So it took me a while to arrive at that moment because when someone says that to you, you know, you are forced to be reckoned with. You go, you're all over the place. You got too much going for you. I don't want to deal with you. You ha- you go home. And you go like, okay. So what's the matter with me? Right. What do hmm? What do I need to drop? Do I need to stop some of this? Uh, do I do I need to appear weaker than I feel? Do I need to dim my light? Uh, do I, um, you know, we, we, we understand this submissive process, but, you know, do, do I need to be like, anywhere you want to go, baby, anything you want me to do, any, any way you help me out. And I have tried that, and it is it does excruciatingly painful. It's just painful emotionally. It, it doesn't work to try to make yourself into someone else's expectation of who you ought to be because they really are not into you. They are into the image they're trying to create you to be. Mm-hmm. And so when, when y'all finally get hooked up and they wake up one morning and find out like, this is not what I expected. You're not you, you don't know who you are. And uh, you recreated yourself into who he thought you needed to be. So the best deal is, is to, is to be you. Mm-hmm. And there is someone out there that is for you and not a mock alternative of you. Word. And if y'all read the engagement game, which y'all better had by now, (laughs) like that was literally my story. I was trying to shape shift and make myself into someone that, you know, Adam is what I call him in the book, would like. But at the end of the day, it was to my own detriment. And to his too, because he not only fell in love with this fake version of me, but I did not get to fully enjoy myself and, and have the courage to become myself Um, you know I just I I absolutely believe that God gave us wings 
and everybody's set of wings are a little bit different than everybody else. Everybody has a unique set of wings, and those wings are the gifts that you have those proclivities you know you some women just can't help but create they can't help but paint they can't help but sew they can't help but administer they can't help but nurture it is just in them it is this gift that's in them and it rises to the surface absolutely every single day so we are those women (laughs) (laughs) hey absolutely and so if god gave it to you then it is your you know god gave it to you to use it not to Uh, clip your own wings, not to hide your own wings, not to make pretend that you can't fly, uh, not pretend that you don't use it. You're going to be frustrated. You know, year after year, you're going to say, I've wasted all this time not exercising the gift that God gave me. And that's just foolish. Now, you know, with the recent news of Nipsey Hussle, Mom, you know who Nipsey Hussle was? I do. Absolutely. I know Nipsey Hussle. He just won uh, a Grammy. I know, but Big he, time. but he died. Yes, which okay. is very tragic, which is a part of you know. Can we settle our arguments without shooting somebody? Right, but so so I don't know if you know this. the The story goes on the street is that he, the person who shot him dead, like got his feelings hurt, was embarrassed in front of a group of people, like his ego was hurt, and he went and got a gun and came back and shot and killed Nipsey. And so that's just like further proof. Um, awful proof that like the male ego is just so fragile and I'm curious when it comes to relationships is there space for ego or should we be egoless when we're trying to be like in a healthy and loving relationship everybody has to have some measure of ego to have some measure of ambition Mm -hmm. you have to have some ego if you're going to be in a c-suite if you're going to be a leader you're going to be an executive you're going to lead the parade you're going to lead the charge you're going to be in front of um you know when you're in front of there's a target on your back because everybody's trying to get to the place where you are so you have to have some measure some measure of ego Mm -hmm. Uh, but when ego and emotions and all of that gets warped Um, Is that ego based on things that you acquire Mm -hmm. or is your ego has some other kind of source that helps it to be a partner to someone else and to be in good relationship with other people, especially if you are a leader. So for me, you know, that base that fuels that leadership, of course, is the standard that, you know, that comes from the biblical context. There There are standards, there are principles, there are rules, there's a power outside myself so that I know it's not me. You know, I'm, you know, I'm not it. So if this doesn't happen, I'm still me. If that doesn't happen, I'm still me. So in relationship, which makes my husband and, uh, and our relationship work, you know, all this time, is that his ego is not such that I can't be who I am. Mm-hmm. And my ego is such that he can't be who he is. And, you know, you were talking about dating. I, when I met your dad, he was the first man who, when I said, you know what I always wanted to do? What? I always wanted to do this. And he turned and said, go do it. I, 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 what, 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 what? <laughs> I'm going like, who? What? Are you serious? Yes. Okay. I'm gone. I'll, here I am. Come back. You know, I've been dreaming lately. What have you been dreaming? I have this wild and crazy idea. And it's really wild. Okay, what is it about? And I share the dream, and then he goes like, you know, that's doable. What do we need to do to make it happen? <gasps> Whoa! You know, this this is 
mm, he's a keeper. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like that with his kids too. Like I, I have, I do crazy things that y'all don't always agree with, but he's very supportive. At the end of the day, he will be Facebooking my links and tweeting and saying, oh, Essence is on this or whatever. Like he, that's just who he is, which I really appreciate. And there is one out there for Sister Girl, who's a force to deal with. Uh, sister Girl, who's large and in charge. Sister Girl, who can do everything uh, for herself. But for the women who can do everything for herself and for the woman who's larger than charge and who may be intimidating to the rest of the world, you have to create space in your life for strong men to be strong. Mm -hmm. Strong women have to create space for strong men to be strong in their lives. And how do strong women do this? Because I know some, some of them are out there like, oh, because it's hard. But how do strong women do that without feeling like... I guess I remember like when I started dating Anton, like it was a struggle at some points because I know that I can do everything. Um, and so sometimes I'm like, this is how I would do it. You know, it's frustrating sometimes or like you're not doing it fast enough or, you know, you, you get frustrated. So how do those strong women not drive themselves crazy by making space? Because I think making space is the key. But like you, you can drive yourself crazy by trying to do it. Um, realizing that you do not do everything well and you do not. No, you don't. No one does. There's yeah. no perfect, strong person anywhere who does everything well. Uh, the deal is, is that when you create space for strong men to be strong in your life, you are confessing and admitting that they could do it just as good as you can. Mm -hmm. And that space means you allow them to make their mistakes until they get to their optimum process. Just like somebody in your life way, way somewhere along gave you the space to make your mistakes until you got it right or to hone that skill until it got to be where it need to be. So uh, creating space means that, you know, there's some draw balls that you have to drop, mm -hmm. you know. Um, you do not have to do that. And if you don't do that, then now that gives you space to do something else. Oh. Whoa! Yes. Which is absolutely marvelous. Mm -hmm. So what, whatever that space is, whatever that is that you allow him to be strong, that is absolutely wonderful because the brother wants to know, so what can I do for you? Where's my spot in, in your life? You know, mm -hmm. where, where do we go? Da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And when you find that out together, then that is a part of the, of the relationship, the marriage relationship, as you journey together, figuring it out, mm -hmm. you know. Being in relationship, I mean, when you are in a relationship, you know, guy, girl, you know, whatever, you, you're in this relationship, um, strong women, uh, the, 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 you know, the deal is, is that, I, you know, I'm a strong woman. I want to be in relationship with a man where I can take my armor off. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's so true. I want to take my armor off. I've had my armor on all day. This armor is tight. I'm tired. <laughs> I got to take this deal off. Uh, you know, they've been shooting at me all day, pounding on me all day. I want to be able to take the armor off and be with someone who can see me without makeup, without all the stuff, without being on, because mm -hmm. you have to be on on your job, you know, without being on, and you still love me anyway. Mm -hmm. You know, that, um, you know, you come home, babe, I know you're tired. Yeah, honey, but, you know, 
um, you know what I really like to have? Where we, I really like to have foot rub. Can I get a foot rub? Thank you. <laughs> you know, can you can you tighten up my shoulders right here to get this stress out? Da 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 da. da. You know, before we get to do, you know, somebody got to do dishes, get the house straight, do the finances, balance the books, pay the bills. You know, all those other kinds of things that you can take your armor off and know that you're not gonna get shot. And if you get shot, you know, y'all, you know, people have arguments They're like, ah, I, I, I'm mad with you. I'm mad with you that even if my armor's off and my, my guard is down, uh, we love each other to the point where like, babe, I really didn't mean to say that, mm-hmm. and I really didn't mean to do that, and we really just need to apologize. I'm, I sigh, and I'm gonna try and do better. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> but you, you have to have, be in a space where I can take my armor off, and I feel safe. Um, now, I will not get offended, um, but I was thinking about this in the shower because I'm in my Jesus year, I'm getting married, I'm having my first child, and I believe that it's like sort of the perfect time because I have lived, my, I have lived, you already know, but in my <laughs> 20s, you know, I was traveling, my career, all these things, um, but for you and a lot of your generation, like, you guys got married straight out of college and um i remember when i was little you were writing your dissertation and we drove up in this church van to (laughs) watch you get your doctorate so like you were literally like raised i can't imagine like raising three kids and getting a doctorate but i wonder do you think that you would have you know flew harder and flew faster if you didn't have all your balls and chains although we're super adorable um chains but like (laughs) do you ever think like oh wow i wish i didn't have you know i could have done me, you know, and not have to worry about my husband or my kids? No. Oh, that's nice. No, 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 really, absolutely. Um, flying solo would not have, I don't, I, I don't believe flying solo would have helped me. Any, in, you know, it would not have helped me. You know, I'm his butterfly and he's my rock and we are suited together. Our weaknesses and strengths ma- match up to what they do. I flew faster and harder and higher because of him because he was in my life and uh, because of you guys because when kids come along and you'll find out when kids come along your perspective change you're, th- mm-hmm. you're shifting and all of that's changing and all of that was a part of a maturation process for me because it helped me to prioritize uh, what is absolutely important what things I need to delegate what things I need to let go what things I needed to do and what things I needed to delay many women say to me well tell me how do you do it all and and because I, I want right. to do it all. That's what I'm trying to figure out. <laughs> you can do it all, you just can't do it all at the same time. That's the deal. And it's not about balance; it's about prioritizing. It's like, how do it work life balance? No, there's no such thing as work life balance. It's a myth. It's mm-hmm. a myth. It's Santa Claus. Okay, it's a myth. <laughs> uh, it's about prioritizing, deciding what is important. So I had to sit down, make this big pro and con list, this whole deal, and it's an excellent exercise prioritize what are the things that you and only you can do only you can do what things can you delegate Uh, what things need to be delayed put on the back burner to another time because you ought to obey the age that you're in Hmm. so when I was in my 20s and having babies you know having babies I didn't travel all over the place no I didn't go, you know, because you can't raise children and travel all over the place. Uh, I, you know, some of the things that I did were home-based. I got up early in the morning. That was my think time, get it, get it all together time. And then after the house was quiet, y'all were down nine o'clock. Yay, praise the Lord. You know, from, you know, from 9.30, 10 o'clock to midnight, one o'clock in the morning, I did 
all those other things so that by the time y'all got it, y'all didn't know what I was doing. You, no. didn't, you, you didn't know I was writing a paper. You know, you didn't know I was planning a project or a program, uh, sending out funding letters, trying to get sponsors, writing and researching sermons and doing Bible study and all of that, because I was trying to obey the season that I was in, which meant my priority during the times that you guys were awake and functioning was for my family and my congregation. So obey the season that you're in. So when you got little people, then you have to do little people stuff. When your children get a little older, then you can do some other things. Now, you know, our, our nest is empty and we're all over the world. <laughs> y'all are. Y'all are just, y'all miles are kind of crazy. But I tell you now, um, flying solo would have not made anything higher or faster. But coming, walking together, uh, we, are, we are not only husband and wife, we are, we are roommates, we're best friends, we are confidants. He is my greatest encourager, especially those seasons when I said, I don't think I can do this anymore. Or um, I'm really gonna, I think I need to shift, I need to do that. Girl, get up, get yourself <laughs> together, you know, get a good night's sleep, make it a pajama day, you know what I mean? Th- those mm-hmm. are the days where all you do is go from one side of the bed to the next, you know? My favorite kind, yes. <laughs> Everybody's gotta have that kind of day uh, so that you can refresh, do some self-care stuff and get back up and get back in the game. Uh, so uh, I would not have been able to do it without him. Sweet. Um, there are women out there, especially now because um, women are making more money than ever before. We are kind Yay. of, thank God, I mean, equal payday just passed, so we still got some, we have a lot of ways to go, but a lot of women are sort of killing it in their career. They may make more money than their partners, and that can be super intimidating uh, for men. So what advice do you have for those women who are like trying to navigate not, you know, not being too much for their men in their careers, but they're killing it, you know? It's like, how do I go back home to the guy who's not making as much as me? Um, yeah. So you want to quit your job? You want to go find a lesser <laughs> job with lesser pay? Nope. You want to clip your wings, um, put your gifts on the shelf and call it a day? No. What we have done is what I talked about before. We have genderized. We have genderized roles, responsibilities, and success. Who cares who brings in the money? You heard. You say that, but some men care. They do. But a part of your discussion, I'm talking about, you know, between uh-huh. guy and girl, a part of that discussion, hey, money's important. You know, what are our goals? Well, our goal is house, car, da-da-da, retirement, uh, education fund, this, that, and the other, one vacation. These are our goals. Mm-hmm. All right. How are we going to get there? All right. This is how much I make. This is how much I make. Okay. So what's more important? Is it more important that you make more money than I do, or is it more important that we achieve the goals in our lives? Uh, it's important that we achieve the goal. That. Okay, so, babe, what we need to do to help you feel better? Because if, <laughs> if we give up this money, the goals that you just listed, it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen. If a man, most men define themselves by their job they do. and by their paycheck. Most women define themselves by their relationships. Mm-hmm. A guy says, this is, who, this is what I do. And a woman says, this is who I'm related to. Mm -hmm. I'm so-and-so's girl. I'm so-and-so's wife. I'm so-and-so's mother. You know, a guy says, you know, I'm CEO of blah, 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 blah. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a whatever. That's just the oughtness and the isness. You got to figure out how to crawl under that skin 
and lift a new standard that both of you can buy into. Mm -hmm. That both of you can buy into. So how do I do that? Well, babe, okay, let's say I'm making a quarter of a mil, right? That sounds great. And you're making 100,000, right? And so you feel bad about that. Yeah, I feel bad about that. Why don't I donate 150,000 of my salary to charity and we'll be even? What do you think? <laughs> right. That's right. Does that sound silly? Yes. <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't do it. So, you know, the deal is figuring out what's going to change the game in the relationship. What's going to change the game without you submitting uh, to giving up a job, a career, and money just to make him feel better. Because if you do that, let's say you go ahead and do that. I give up the job, the money, would it make you feel better? Every day he's going to look at you and know. He's still going to know that you still could. And every day you're going to look at him and you're going to be mad because I gave up all of this for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all of this for you. So a part of the conversation, communication is really a big deal in any relationship, whether it's guy, girl, married, love, unmarried, love, whatever it is, uh, communication is a big deal. Finding that common ground of stuff that you can agree, that you can agree with. All right, so just to switch topics. Oh, and then oh. let me know how it works out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, write in, DM me, tweet me, use the hashtag, the engagement game, let us know um, if you use this advice and if it works. Um, but switching off relationships. Wait a before, we get, before we get to that, you know, sometimes, you know, sometimes conversations need to be had with professionals. Yeah. Some conversations need to be had with people who can help you work it out. Um, counselors, coaches, um, psychiatrists, psychologists, whatever. Some conversations need to be had with people who can help you unravel and get to the place where you can find common ground, where it's okay for you to be you and okay for me to be me, and then you and me become us and we can fly together. Mm-hmm. All right, well, y'all heard that advice. So <laughs> if it works, tweet me. Use the hashtag, the engagement game. Um, but switching off topics real quick from relationships, just just generally speaking, have you ever felt insecure about your success, right? Like you are the first woman bishop. Um, I think at, when you were a pastor in Baltimore, I think you had the second largest church in the city, um, but the best church, <laughs> but the best One church in the city. One of the largest um, churches, yeah. And, One of, not uh, because there are many. Yeah. Anyway. It was the best church. But, you know, but because, you know, oftentimes when you're in leadership positions, you talked about this, there is this target on your back um, and you don't necessarily change, but the people around you change. So have you felt that and how have you sort of navigated through that? Because you seem very graceful um, and gracious in in your leadership, but I know it's not easy because I'm stepping into leadership more and more and it's tough. It is so (laughs) tough. Susan Barash wrote a book called Tripping the Prom Queen. And the basic principle is is that there's only one prom queen. And all the other women wish they were the prom queen, but they didn't get it. It's only one prom queen. So um, the the fantasy is is that as she's walking into the prom down the aisle with the spotlight on her, Mm -hmm. another woman will stick her foot out (laughs) and trip her. Boom. Oh, okay. Isn't that funny? Boom. And so that happens. That really does happen. I found that when you know god started to bless me and give me opportunities outside of the city and i was you know began to preach in other cities and other places and um you know the church is growing and you know things that are really happening i be you know you shared with your friend group oh guess what happened to me i 
got the invitation of a lifetime. And they look at you and go, blink, blink, blink. <laughs> and then you realize, oh, okay. Well, at least pray for me, okay? You know. <laughs> and uh, so you figured out who you can share that with and who you do not share that with. You have to really identify those who are associated with you because you can do something for them. Mm-hmm. You increase their shine or someone who is associated with you to be with you. Y'all are friends. That's it. That means you cheer for them, they cheer for you. It's choosing your balcony squad, your all-girl backup band, your um, accountability partners, and choosing them well. Because everybody, you know, I preach it all the time, everybody's not going to be happy with your happy. They're not going to shout with your shout. They're not going to dance with your dance. Mm -hmm. And you have to figure out the crowd in which you can share with and the crowd in which you smile with. Mm-hmm. You know, and the crowd that you cry with and the crowd that you, you deal with. But it happens. You know, brothers brothers have the same, they have the same thing as sisters have the same thing. I think one of those uh, wake-up moments, which was, you know, was baffling in the beginning for me, I uh, had, you know, a clergy friends, non-clergy friends, lay friends, sorority friends, these friends, this friends. And when I announced my candidacy, for the Episcopacy, all of a sudden folks stopped speaking to me. Mm. And I'm going like, wait a minute. We've been friends all this time. I've been in your house. You've been in my house. My kids play with your kids. Your so kids like, play. What do you think that was? I'm curious. I, I stepped out of where, I stepped out of the corner where they had put me. Mm-hmm. In other words, you know, the world will assign you to a spot. And when you step outside of that spot, they're not always happy. So uh, I, I announced my candidacy. Some, some people were also going to announce their candidacy. They just hadn't done it. And now like, and who are you? And now you are increasing the candidacy pool. And now I'm going to have to run against you. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have to run against me. Yeah, it's awkward. You know, and so I'm saying, so I'm not running against you. I'm running for this position. That's where I say you have to disarm the argument. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, like... You're running against me. I am not running against you. I'm running for, I'm a candidate for service. Mm. It has nothing to do with you. But this lesson sort of applies to everything in life because even when we're at work or on the job or in your sorority or what have you, it's not necessarily I'm running against you, but I'm trying to run my best race. That's right. It has nothing to do with you. Mm -hmm. But some people don't see that. Mm -hmm. Some people see your success uh, any success, great or small, business, personal, career, as diminishing their success. Mm-hmm. Some people see it as you're in a position that they want. So let's see how we can get you at that position so I can get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other part uh, of it is, is, is sometimes it's jealousy. Sometimes, you know, jealousy and envy has a place. You got to a place that they've been wishing, hoping, and praying for, and you got there first. So you, that this arming part, you know, there is a success for you. There is a place for you. It may not be this. It may be this. You know, I might be, you know, plowing the ground, leading the way uh, so that you can have your spot on your place. Every woman's success lays the groundwork for the next success. I know it. We don't see it that way. Uh, the trite way to see it is that every, the flowers in the garden are not looking to see... <laughs> 
you know, the petals of the other flower next to them. They're just trying to bloom in their own spot. And that's basically what we're all doing. I'm just trying to bloom in the spot that God has given me to bloom. You know, I'm just trying to, you know, be as fragrant and whatever it is that I need to be in the place that God has put me. I'm not against you. I'm not fighting against you. I'm not being against you. Uh, when you're in an office setting, when you're in an office setting, um, when you're in an office setting, you know, there, there are all kinds of things that come into play. One, are you for the company, the corporate, the business, or are you in there for yourself? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if I'm fighting against the leader, whatever, whatever, I'm trying for position. I'm not trying to help the entity where I am. I'm looking for my position, my paycheck. I'm not looking for the bottom line. So you got a lot of Lone Rangers, Lone Rangerettes, you know, Wonder Women, Superman, all in their own individual thing, trying to get their, their own individual piece of the pie, and the ship is sinking. Oh, my gosh, this is like David Abu is like <laughs> calling me out. And I, I don't know if it's like this in other fields, but definitely in the creative space, it is so much an individual. Like people are so about themselves, and it disheartens me because I did not get into journalism for myself to tell my story to become famous, um, especially with entertainment journalism. Your mom was an entertainment editor. Um, so you know this, but like I did not get in it for myself. I got in got in it to tell other people's stories and so much of my not so much of my colleagues but some people who are in my field I it just disheartens me to it it makes me so like I don't even want to play that that game that they're playing but I have to at some times because they are their ego is so big and it's hard to navigate around it and, and still get the work done if you know what I mean sure and we can sing this song you don't have to be a star baby to be in my show but there are so many people who want to be want to be the star, and they interview other stars as a cathartic process for them being the star. Mm. If I don't have a career to work on, I'm working on your career. I'm getting you the interviews. I'm you know I'm the agent. I'm the this. I'm the that. I'm the this, which is a part of my star power. My star power is helping you stay a star or making you a star. Or, or, or talking about you or sharing about you. Mm-hmm. So I'm, you know, I'm equal on the same stage as you are. You know, I'm Beyonce, can't you tell? <laughs> you ain't Beyonce, girl. <laughs> Absolutely not. Uh, but there are some people who, who, who see that because it's a part of power. Underneath of all of it is power and authority. Mm-hmm. Who's got it? Who's using it? Are they using it for you or against you? Mm-hmm. Who controls it? Who controls the information? Who controls the deal? Who controls the star? Yeah, uh, this is, I don't want to go off on a tangent because I could, but to what end? Like, what's that power going to really get you? But anyway, let me not get off on a tangent because um, I want to ask you this question. So you often, like, um, consult and minister some of the most most powerful people in the world. I could call you no, out, but I'm not going to do it. I'm not. I won't. Okay. But you really do minister to amazing people who are at the top of the top of the top of their games and genres. And I'm wondering, you know, what are some of the issues that they're dealing with? Um, and how do you, you know, well, like what's the, the biggest issue that you see them dealing with? Those people who are literally at the top of their games, which is something that we're all striving to do. Um, what, what are they dealing with? The higher you go, you get into an atmosphere where your circle gets smaller and smaller and smaller because you know of the responsibilities that you have the power and authority that you have to deal with the expectations for your position 
and the self-care and the support that you used to have you don't have because of the demands of the job. So you're not in church, you're not in Bible study, you're not praying, you're not doing all those th- kinds of things that help resource you. Your friend circle has narrowed, so you're not, you know, you're not in relationship where you're sharing and competing and having a great time. People around you are there because they have to be or they paid to be for one reason or another because they work for you and so forth and so on. So there's not any genuine authentic stuff that's happening around you. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are parasites. There, there are people who are parasitic, who hang on, so forth, and so have real true relationships sometimes are very, very hard. My passion for leaders, and I have a passion for leaders, especially leaders in in non-traditional high places, wh- wherever it is, uh, because somebody's got to be able to be there to be able to say to you, you know you need to turn left Mm -hmm. (laughs) and know that I have no skin in the game not no skin in the game but I don't you know I don't have a dog in your race I don't have a dog in your hunt Um, you need someone to pray with you you know pick up the phone and call okay you know we'll pray if there's something a book I need to share some material I need to give a tape I need to send a sermon I need to share uh, that will be a part that that'd be meaningful in your life, then I would just do it. You don't need to call me back. You need to say nothing because I would rather you get that resource wherever you can before trouble hits. Mm-hmm. Burnout does happen. People do hit brick walls. Uh, and when you're under tremendous amount of stress and you're carrying a tremendous amount of weight, unless you have that circle of support and resource around you, I mean, true and authentic, then you know some you may make mistakes and you may make decisions that are not good for you or good for where you are and then you find yourself in a place uh where then then folk call you and say okay i'll I'll come and um we'll sit with you while you sit with your attorney and we want to get to you before that happens so that you have an opportunity uh to download to be resource um, to do all those kind of, which is why we created the Circle of Love, which when I was in Baltimore as a pastor, we did, and which why we have SELA right now. So SELA Leadership Encounter for Women is for leader women, whether you are in middle management, you want to be in middle management, you're an emerging leader, you're in the C-suite, whether you're a corporation or in the congregation, education, business, we do not come together. Education leaders go to education conferences. Medical leaders go to medical conferences. Entrepreneurs go to entrepreneurial conferences. Tech people go to tech people, uh, tech conferences. Um, you know, congregation folk go to church conferences. But we never come together. And when we do come together, we learn from each other because every field, every career has something to share with the other. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been blessed to have you know presented to major corporations all over the United States, uh, overseas and other places, and they invite me to say, well, why do they invite you? Why are you a preacher? Why do they invite you? Because I can say things that they can't say. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking a different dynamic. In, you know, we can teach you skills. We can give you the experiences to hone those skills. But if your head is not right, and your heart is not right, and your soul is not right, you're not gonna be happy. You're gonna self-destruct. I've met women 
uh, and men who are seven and six figures and they're unhappy and they don't know why they're unhappy. I got the house, I got the dog, I got the spouse, I got the kid, I got money in the bank, I have two homes, I go to Florida every winter, I go to Europe, I do this and da 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 da. I can walk into any store in the world and pick what I want without asking how much. I got a black credit card, you know, mm-hmm. I got the world, but I'm happy and I go home at night and cry myself to sleep mm-hmm. and I don't understand why I'm not happy. You know, you gotta, it's head and heart, not just skills, not just gifts, not just learning experiences, but there's some other things that you need to put it all together and make it work. So that yes, you can earn six and seven figures. Yes, you can be successful. You can get to the top of the heap. You can be at the top of the game without losing your soul or your mind, your family and your friends. So if you are an emerging leader, you need to register for Sela. I think you're going to be in two cities this this two year, in Atlanta and in Dallas. So go to VashtiMcKenzie.com, and I'll put the information in the description box. Um, it's actually really, I was very surprised, you know, because mom does all sorts of amazing things. So I just was like, what's going on with Sela? And I came, but I really left. I took tons of notes, met so many women. It was such an intimate atmosphere. It's like, you know, 200 some people. So it was very intimate. And I really had a moment to like take a breath, um, but also meet these women who could give me literal cheat codes um, as I navigate like the upper echelons of leadership, which is a total new skill that I'm flexing. But I really enjoyed the experience. So, what makes Sailor different from others? We don't call it a conference. What makes Sailor different is it's, it's a community, not just a conference. It's yeah. a community of women who are in leadership positions in diverse fields. Now that we know each other, we can resource each other. Yeah. So, go to bashtimemckenzie.com for more details, but I will put it in the description box. And as we're sort of closing out this segment, um, what advice? really do you have for my generation as we strive to be like you and your friends um, and we're navigating our career in love like what's like that one piece of advice or a couple pieces of advice um, as we're sort of you know we're power women at work and we want to be power wives at home and power moms like what is that how do do we do that I don't want you you know I, I don't want you to be like us and our friends I want you to be better Every round goes higher and higher, and you are dealing with a whole new subset of things that we never had to deal with. Uh, You know, we all got married early because that was a part of our culture and deal. Now millennials are getting married later. You are doing some other things first and then coming around uh, to family and procreation. So the world that you're going to live in will look vastly different from the world that we grew up in and you know lead in so you're going to have to shift and change your dynamic to create high touch relationships in a high tech world Mm. that sounds difficult i'm like already exhausted honestly by the thought (laughs) (laughs) but high touch you'd have to be high touch in your relationships in order to uh, navigate a, a high tech world there are very few places where standards and values are taught so you have to grab them now so that you will not be valueless, standardless, mm. just going where the wind blows. You have to identify your non-negotiables. Where are you drawing the line in the sand? And then be there for each other. This, this is a wicked world. Sure. It is rough out here. Mm-hmm. And so you're going to have to learn how to hang together, stick together, and be together. You know, 
um, the, the next generation and next generation are having issues with making commitments. And so let's unpack what this issue is of making commitment and not waiting until you're 60 years old to get married for the first time because you you need somebody to help take care of you, make sure you take your medicine. <laughs> Hello. Okay. Uh, and so um, let's unpack this issue about commitment. Let's figure out how we can enhance each other's relationships. I think I have lives. a theory about this, this mm-hmm. commitment issue that my generation has. And I think, it, you know, we are... A lot of my generation grew up with parents who divorced and split up. And so the idea of then getting into a marriage or a long-term commitment is just not a, I mean, this could be a whole other podcast, but like the idea of getting into that is hard for people. And, and especially when you are dating a person who didn't have a father in the home or didn't have a mother in the home, it's very difficult. And I think every single man and boy that I've dated did not have a good relationship with their dad. Um, aside from Anton. So it's like even loving someone when they don't have a healthy idea of a relationship is is hard. Uh, You have to have those conversations with with professional people who can help you unpack that. All right, there's no shame in that game. Go get conversations with people who can help help you handle that uh, particular deal. Mm -hmm. You really got to do it. And I said that in episode two, you got to come to a relationship whole. Uh, I, I can't do that work for you. Come, come correct. Um, all right. But we wrapping up. But OK, one, some up. last words. Last word is, you know, I'm asking you, those of you who are listening to the to the podcast, what commit? What is the issue with commitment? What are the deal breakers when it comes to for you and your relationships? Um, how do you handle in your own particular life when there is an inequality uh, in paychecks and all of that. How do you do that? Because some, you know, you may have come, come, come across the answer that's really going to be a beneficial and a blessing. And then what other questions do you have about relationships? Thank you. And um, so that was my mom, Vashti McKenzie. Um, feel free to follow her on Twitter. You want to tell the people where you are? I'm on Twitter, Facebook, not on Snapchat yet. Should I come? You know, but no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, please do. If you go to Bishop Vashti McKenzie on uh, Facebook, if you go to Vashti McKenzie on Twitter, Vashti McKenzie Instagram, or just go to VashtiMcKenzie.com, you'll find everything that you need there. Well, thank you, Mom, but you're not leaving. Um, Before we wrap this podcast up, I do this segment every single time where we go down in my DMs. So people, every time I do record this podcast, I ask people to write in questions that have to do with the topic. And so we got a question from a young lady, and she says, I have been told by men that I'm intimidating. What is usually the biggest factor that makes a man feel this way? Their own insecurity. It has nothing to do with your security. It has to do with their security. And your confidence, your giftedness, uh, your in-chargeness, your on the ball, all of that makes them feel insecure. It's not about you being intimidating. It's about them being insecure. So how do I help that without dismantling who I am? And I always say this, I actually wrote a little bit about this in my book, but I have been told this by men countless times and, um, or even men who got in relationship with me and they thought they were secure and then they do things that let you know that they're not. 
like I need you to do this or I don't want you to go here or you know they don't have to say the words intimidating for you to know and so I always come to this metaphor of like everyone has a light inside of them and what happens when a light burns in a dark place especially if you're from the south you already know the answer to this all these moths and little creatures come to the flame they want to be around that flame it looks exhilarating and exciting you're making their life exciting but a moth can get burned by a flame and so you have to figure out is this man a moth or is he a firefly that can be hot with me and a lot of people Ooh, i love that absolutely ain't that good girl i learned from the best <laughs> um and so but there's some people who just can't handle your light and i have you know i'm done away, now that i'm in my 30s i'm done away with trying to dim that light and trying to make people feel comfortable and make people not be burned um if you feel burned you're too close mm. and I need someone who can handle the heat literally. Mm. And that's just it. Mm. Don't you like that? That's I good. love it. I love it. I love it. Let's be fireflies together. Okay. That. That. Thank you so much, mom, uh, for joining me on the podcast. It really was a shoot. This is actually one of my favorite podcasts. I really enjoyed this conversation. Yes. And I enjoyed it too. This is, it's the bomb. It's the bomb. Congratulations on the pod. Great talking with you. Okay, so before we go, can you let people know how much you love the book, though? Because they need to go pick it up. It's out in paperback right now. Um, anywhere, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, you can download it on Audible. But I'm curious, like, what did you think? I actually loved the book. I laughed. There were places in it when I laughed. I thought it was fun. Uh, fun. And it was easy to read. And it was, you know, nice, quick, easy. It was fun. It had a lot of poignant places. I really loved the Jill Scott scenario in, in right. that in that conversation. And that, of course, I held my breath while I was reading because I wasn't sure what you were going to say. <laughs> and, um, you know, mothers don't want to know everything about their daughter's relationship. So, um, you know, it was good. It was good. I, I must say it was good. So I would say um, if you are a part of a generation where you have a daughter, um, please gift this to your daughter. And moms, it's okay. Go ahead and read it. Um, you know, take a deep breath. Um, put a put your favorite beverage next to you. Big glass of water with ice or something in it, and go ahead and dive deep, uh, because you'll be able to help. You'll be able to help the young women in your life. You'll really be able to help them because once you understand. Uh, the experiences and the issues that young women are going through now, then you can help the young women who are in your circle. Well, y'all heard it from the bishop herself, so go out and pick up the engagement game. But thank you so much for joining me. And that wraps up this episode. Until next time, saints, peace. Goodbye, y'all.